answer you need might already exist, but because you want something different, you might actually miss what's in front of you. We remind ourselves to take that step back and actually remember how important it is to take some action on the back of it. Hello, it's Paul. I hope you're well and enjoying your summer. If you're up north and those down south, by that I mean hemisphere, you're already past the shortest day, so summer is on its way at some point soon. So hopefully you'll have been listening to the rest of the series. This is now episode five. The whole series has been centred around a conversation about finding a process or some technique for helping yourself to get out of an issue when you're racing. As normal, running is the vehicle that we use to have these conversations, but most are applicable to normal life, other than maybe dealing with some major stomach problems with 70 miles still to run, which I'll admit is fairly specific. So this approach we call ATTACK, that's A-T-A-K. First was awareness, that you have a problem. Second was thinking, that was about considering the options that you have. The third was action, so making a decision to try to improve the situation in some way and being quite energetic and clinical about that. And that leaves the last one. Now the last one we call kick ass. Yep, maybe it sounds on the edge of corny, but this is not a simple instruction. It's a full change of mindset. It's an attitude that eludes many of us when the chips are down and in order to do this justice and really get into the nuts and bolts of what this means we decided to do this last one together. James is joining me now in our virtual studio and we'll spend more than our normal allotted 10 minutes. Hopefully we'll be able to get into a few stories from past races and events too. So here is episode 5 of the Pilot Ultra Pod. Hi James, how you doing? I'm very well, Paul. It's good morning for me, it's good evening for you. How are you? Uh-huh. I'm okay, mate. It's Friday night, it's your Friday morning. You've still got the joys of the rest of Friday to go and then looking forward to the weekend. Any plans? Yeah. Um, yeah, um, Louise and I are 19 years married this weekend, so we'll go out for a, a meal with the kids. I'm going to do a park run, which should be interesting after <laughs> yeah. a long run on Thursday. Um, yeah. So I don't know which one of those two I'm looking forward to most, but Louise doesn't listen to the pod, right? So... I can maybe I can maybe say the background, <laughs> who knows. What what about you? You got any nice plans? Uh we're heading north for a few days, James. Uh, finally getting out of Auckland, so looking forward to that. The weather, it's been proper proper winter weather here. Not particularly cold, but just a lot of rain. Places soaking, non-stop rain. So it'll be nice to go somewhere different and get out of the noise of the city, uh, which is good. Uh, so you've had a bit of a chunky week, haven't you? I cruelly gave you a chunky week as you came back. <laughs> yeah, I opened training peaks on Sunday and I was like, oh, oh. And, and the thing is, though, is, is I think coming back from a bit of an injury and also coming off uh, ultra training, moving into the, the start of a marathon training block, um, it's it's just very different. It's like going from woodwind to brass if you're in the orchestra, right? It's just like yeah. the nice, gentle, soothing tones of woodwind. And then it's like, it, I felt like the cymbal smashed on Monday. I've loved it. It's been great. Big chunk interval sessions. 31k at tempo on Thursday was just brilliant. Yeah, um, but it's, I, I, I'm telling you, Paul, there's muscles that I haven't used for a wee while that are feeling it. Um, I, I heard an expression the other day. Somebody said it's like breaking off the rust if something's been static for too yes. long. That's what you're doing. This week's about breaking off the rust. 
and uh, reviewing yeah. those uh, athletic legs again. Um, so I, I wondered if you were okay to maybe talk about, um, I think the last time we spoke, James, on the podcast was just before uh, the Track 100. Um, and obviously quite a lot happened there. And you kindly offered to uh, write a blog, like probably a weekly blog, hopefully, over the next uh, couple of months uh, about your next plans and, and what you're going through from a training perspective. But for people who don't know, if you can maybe take us back to just before the Track 100. Yeah. So just before the Track 100, um, which was my A race for the first half of the year, um, I was in tremendous shape. I'd, I think I ran like... Even in a training run, like a low 240s marathon, was feeling really good. My long runs were going well. My, I, I was ticking off, you know, you, you know, I'm, I'm, I kind of like to do kind of comparisons. I was ticking off really good uh, historical efforts and, and sessions, comparison to comparison. So, felt really good. Track 100 week was coming up. Flights all booked. Stuff all bought. Ready to go. But Kaylin took a wee bit ill on the Sunday. We were we on a Saturday we went to the Wallace Monument, walked around Wallace Monument. Him and you and Louise and I had a great day. It was roasting um for April, one of those kind of great spring days. Everybody was great. They, he had a cake and a hot chocolate. And then he got up on Sunday morning and said I'm not feeling too great. Sometimes kids feel that way. By Tuesday he was talking about like he, he was doubled over in pain. So Took him to the doctors, but even on the way down, I knew that I knew there was something wrong. Um, appendicitis, so he gets rushed into hospital mm-hmm. on the Tuesday. Um, it's Wednesday morning, he gets the surgery, um, but he's in hospital for the next five days. So I, I knew by Tuesday night that I wasn't going to the track one hundred, right? Um, which you can get into a bit of poor me about, right? Or oh, poor me, all this training and it's all gone. But at the end of the day, nothing was, and, and it sounds cliched, and it's definitely not. Nothing was more important than Kaylin getting better. And he's fantastic. Keyhole surgery, NHS are just amazing. Keyhole surgery. It was the day after. It was like the pain's gone. It was like yeah. it was like a miracle yeah. to him. Even yeah. in fact, even when he woke up from surgery, it was just like with the, obviously the, the surgical scars and a bit of pain from that. But it was it was uh, amazing. But then because of the nature of the you know appendix bursting and what have you, he had to be on a drip antibiotics for five days. So five long days in the hospital, getting his drip changed every four hours um, for him. Um, so that just meant I didn't do the track 100, which was, which was a bit of a bummer and a bit disappointing. But it, it is what it, it is what it was. I couldn't do anything about it. And then you were straight away focused on the next one, West Island Way Race. And then I don't know. You maybe want to talk us through what happened there. Yeah. So, <laughs> so obviously the track 100 was the main focus. So almost all of the training in the first four months of the year, with that race in mind was focused on that event, you know, doing doing what what you would do for that event, long, flat runs, you know, lots of tempos, all of that kind of good stuff. Almost no time on trails, to the point where I had to go and find my trail shoes for some some runs. <laughs> I did a few runs in the West Island Way and I've done a few trail runs, obviously, but I had to flip my training and over a six-week period, I actually trained really well um, um, and basically covered the whole West Island Way course felt good getting into the race actually and I felt really strong so all that speed that I'd built up in readiness for the track 100 was translating um, and again there was oh, lots yeah. of good indicators whether it was say Strava segments that you can you can look at historical performance on or or even just parts of the trail I've run on before and then on race day get to race day feeling great um, but I'd made, a, I'd made an absolute pledge to myself that I didn't want to be in the lead at any point before 40 miles. 
um, so before Ben Glass, if you like. And um, I think there was a period, oh, I can't remember what it was. Anyway, there was a period leading up to um, Connick Hill where there was a group of us running together in the lead. I just backed off going over Connick Hill. I was like, I'm going to manage my effort here um, and then I'm just going to let those guys move along and just do my own thing. Um, and I get I get to the first part of the lockside, you know, you do the low road for our den in Inversnade and I'm about five minutes back, perfectly where I want to be. Was eating well, was moving well, was drinking well. Everything was great. And then basically I twisted my knee a couple of times and there was no way I could do another 100 kilometres on that at, at the pace it would be needed to be competitive. And you've got to think the long game. Same thing happened to me in 2014, I think it was, when I was I was leading Glenmore, where I twisted. It was the same knee in almost the same situation and I could mm. feel the same pain. And at that time, the physio, the physio at that event said to me, Keep going. You might be out for a few months. Stop now. You might be out for ten days, um, mm-hmm. and that really played through my mind because I love racing. I, I, trinkets and medals are great, but I much prefer running. So I wasn't yeah. willing to forego or risk months of injury for what f- for finishing a race. Um, it just wasn't wasn't right for me. I did think though, Paul. I haven't talked about this. I did think and <laughs> Versnade um, is like. I'm going to have to get to Ben um, Ben Glass though, so I was just in my head. I was just going to walk it to Ben Glass and yeah. encourage the runners around me. But it turns out they can. It turns out they've got a boat at Inversnade in the West Highland Way to take you across Loch Lomond. I got a boat ride mm. um, right. um, over over a. Um, oh, I can't remember. Anyway, Ardlui. I got a boat ride over to Ardlui, and my crew came and picked me up there. So by by half past nine and or by half past eight in the morning, my race was over. And I was treating my, my crew to a McDonald's breakfast. That's um, That was my West Island way race. It was really disappointing. Um, I was in great shape. I was in a great space. Don't know what the outcome would have been. You know, there was a lot of carnage in that race happened up ahead. Um, mm. But I felt good to at least be competitive. But I wasn't because at the end of the day, a big part of racing and ultra running is get, getting through the race with unscathed. That didn't happen. So can be really kind of pragmatic about the fact that I made the right decision. Emotionally, it was really difficult at the time. And what's worth bearing in mind, Paul, that so the first half of the year, I actually had three races in the first half of the year that I was I was going for. One was Centurion 100, DNS, because of Kaelin. One was West Highland Way, DNF, because of the knee. I actually also had another race, which was a Falkirk six-hour. I think it was a six-hour race. I was really looking forward to that one, to get back into ultra running on trail loops. I came home from Utah. I landed in Utah on a Friday morning from that race to a phone call that my mum was in hospital and mm-hmm. she would be in for a few days. So I, I had to can that race as well, but I I completely forgot about that. So when I look back in the first six, un- six months of the year, attack becomes really important because, you know, I could be really down about all of them, but in isolation, there's really good reasons for them all. And actually every decision I made based on what was put in front of me, whether it was a twisted knee, Kaylin being in hospital or my mum taking poorly, Every decision I made was the right one, but it meant I didn't get the outcomes I was hoping for. Um, like th- two or three days before those those um, decisions had to be made. So, so attack, as we talk about on the podcast, becomes really important when reflecting on the first half of the year for me. Yeah, and I think that's where the suffering often comes from, James. When you can't let go of what those original plans were. I mean, there's no point, and you you made good decisions, so there's no point in beating yourself up about the outcome wasn't as you as you wanted it to be at the start of the year. So. 
Okay, that's good. Um, and maybe just you've agreed to write a, a short blog for us just now for the next, I don't know how many months you're going to be able to do it, but it'll at least cover some journey here for the next few months in the second half of the year, um, which is great. Any thoughts overall about that? I'm, I'm quite... I'm quite looking forward to doing it. I used to love blogging back in the day, so we're getting all retro, right, yeah. by putting a blog out. Um, love doing the podcast, but I think when, with the blog, you can you can be a bit more thoughtful and you can make connections and you can tell a story with the blog, so hopefully it all knits together. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm running Toronto Marathon in October, and the first race you coached me to in 2015, it, there's a real synergy here, and it's serendipity, it's not intentional. I injured myself at Glenmore 2014, September. I took you on as a coach in December 2014. And the first race we trained for was London Marathon for me Mm. to try and run under three hours for a marathon. It's quite cute to think back to that time. Mm. Um, I ended up running 250 and I could have run much faster because I just, you know, 10 minutes under your target when you're going for three hours is almost too big but we just didn't know what the capability was but remember Glenmore twisted knee came out of that made a buy's decision not to do anything stupid because I was protecting London Marathon that was a big thing for me back then but I've never trained for a marathon properly since then Um, and I've ran a couple of marathons and I've run them really well Um, you know highlight I finished 15th in Madrid Marathon that was pretty cool like 6,000 people or something but I've never run trained for a marathon outside of maybe 100k or 24 hour racing so I thought it'd be really cool to talk about that. You talk about breaking the rust off, and I might use that in this week's podcast um, blog. Mm-hmm. I thought it'd be really cool to share what that journey's like because it's so different for me. So it's mean, meaning things like I'm going to have to do park runs, do a couple of ten k's, do some half marathons to get really kind of into that level of suffering and racing because a marathon's short for us, um, yep. but the suffering's long because you're in it deep. It is, yeah. So, I, and, yeah. I, and what I want to do is connect the attack story, hopefully, or the attack intention through the blog so I can bring to life things like the new awareness that I've had to have this week. Like, for example, I think when you're doing marathon training, like one thing for me is, is you cannot scrimp on mobility and stretching. If you're truly suffering and you're putting, you know, you're, you've broke that rust and you're stretching those old muscles again, that I need to double down on my things like my mobility and stretching, especially being a bit older than I was in 2015. So I'll share that story and I'll share it in the blog. And I'd love people to, um, if they've got any reflections or any questions, just to just to reach out. Yeah, it'd be nice to get some comments and stuff. People don't tend to comment on blogs so much as they used to. I suppose they do it on social media instead, but um, yeah. it's always useful when, you, when you're writing stuff to hear from people. Okay, that was a long intro, I think. Shall we crack on with uh, our purpose for being here tonight? this morning for you um, and yeah. before before we maybe talk about the final piece of this attack puzzle I wondered if there was anything you've taken from either uh, the research and the thinking that you've done on each of the topics or from maybe listening to anything that I had spoken about if there was anything that kind of stood out and you would change yourself you, you know the big the big thing for me is, is that whenever we go deep on a subject like this me personally like sometimes when we learn, sometimes we're always trying to learn something new, but mm. most of the answers we've already got, but it's reminding ourselves and going back to them. Um, and, you know, like if you take something like uh, any sport, if you take golf, they talk about, say, rebuilding your swing or in tennis, they talk about changing, you know, your serve and all that stuff. But the foundations are always the same. And w- when you take something like the awareness, the thinking, the action and the kick-ass, 
we probably all know that, but the most important thing is those reminders. You talked about a lot in the thinking um, 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 element where just reminding is about how to be more thoughtful or how, you know, it's one thing to think, but it's another thing to use that thinking and it's another thing to think honestly as well. Um, and I, 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 whenever I do this stuff, I come away from it going, this stuff that I already know, I need to be better at applying. So yeah. it's not a case of consume and and then move away. The way to truly deepen your kind of attack and your your awareness and your thinking and your action to get to those outcomes through kickass, for me, is about being intentional in it. And I, I, that's why, honestly, it's why I, I put the offer out there to do the blog because that's going to help me be intentional. So the blog's great for me from a creative and a release point of view, but it's actually my way of um, um deepening the learning and putting the learning into practice because I have to think about it and it makes me accountable so it's almost the big thing for me on this Paul more than anything else is, is by going through this topic I've actually realised that I've got a wee bit lazy with some of the things taking taking the awareness for granted for example and not doing the second level of thinking the and what else thinking that truly gets you there has been a big takeaway for me what, what about you have you taken anything away from it yeah I think it was the one what would it have been um, maybe it was the awareness one or something definitely something you said about um, being able to take a step back and approach the issues both tactically and strategically so I was almost splitting it into two and like you'd said I kind of knew that naturally but I wasn't really probably doing that um, and when, you, when you're able to look at it both tactically and strategically you get much, much less caught up in catastrophizing catastrophizing that's right isn't it um, about the situation yeah. so it's like this is a race of my dreams I've trained so hard for this I might as well just be over now and actually the tactical bit is well what can I do now and the strategic bit is about well how can I survive this and then how can I turn this around and how can I have a great experience overall um, even if it's not what I wanted at the start um, and that was quite a good reminder for me actually um, and looking back it reminded me of the races where things did go wrong and I ended up having a really great race experience. The result wasn't what I wanted at the start, but um, it, it reminded me to the importance of doing that, I think, which was really useful for me. Um, and I'll definitely take that into any other races I do going forward. And I think that that's important. I know you'll talk about later about the follow-on from this and what we hope to do. You know, you've got the blog, we've got some other resources we'll put out there. I think that comes back to that intentional element of it. Whatever learning or whatever toolkit you're using, it has to be more than just like if you know if the tool you've got is mm -hmm. a hammer, has to be more than just bashing things with it. it has to be yeah. hitting it right in you know the nail on the head, to coin yeah. a phrase. And I think sometimes yeah. you know Maslow uses that phrase about if all you've if all you've got is a hammer, then all you see is nails. And and I yeah. think by even just going through this process has actually helped me. I hadn't reflected on the whole of the first half of the year until I then went actually let's apply that thinking. To a longer period so that that was almost as well as thinking about it strategically and tactically going forward you can actually apply that to the looking back and looking back at it with a, a more strategic lens and saying you know what underpinning everything i've trained really well in the first half of the year i just haven't yeah. got the rewards yet yeah 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 i think i think your point earlier as well um was a good one in that we have this desire for novelty and new stuff all the time new thinking and new ways of doing things Whereas actually, a lot of this we know already. It's like, ultimately, James, we could probably write training plans with six to 12 different session types. And, and that would be enough 
to achieve the same thing but people constantly striving for a for a magic bullet or something that's going to make a big difference and they want to chuck in um, all the strength stuff and they want to chuck in heat training and stuff and actually sometimes it's about the basics isn't it it's about having a real clear plan about what you're going to do and what's going to have the biggest impact and this has been a really good reminder of there's a process you can step through that's actually going to make a difference uh, rather than just kind of hoping that um you know there's some magic piece of advice you're going to pick up from some somewhere else uh, yeah and novelty can be distraction right because the answer you need might already exist yeah. but because you want something different you might actually miss what's in front of you. And and novelty novelty can be distraction in that regard. So that, that was a big thing for me. I didn't need to look elsewhere for answers. The answers were already there. Just how I looked for them was different. Yeah, yeah, quite right. Yeah. So when, when, when we first came up with this whole attack strategy, I think we both debated the last part, the kind of kick-ass part, the most. And maybe it made us both feel a wee bit uncomfortable. It sounds maybe a wee bit flippant. Maybe it's a bit in the style of our friends across the pond, but actually it's the right kind of space because if you've gone through the thinking, you've come up with some potential solutions and you're starting to activate those plans by taking the action, then it's all about the attitude and the mindset at that point. So, I mean, in, in your own words, what, what, does, what does kick-ass mean to you as part of this, this approach? Let, let's have a chat about that, first of all. Yeah, yeah. Um so what, let me talk about what it doesn't mean because there's, I, I think there's a danger you can... Because um, it's an emotive phrase, right? Um, and that's why we've debated mm. it a lot. We talked about having an attack with a C and all of that, right? But yeah. w- what it's not for me is, is grinding yourself to the bone for an outcome that can cause harm. Um, I, what it's not for me is, is winning everything and, you know, like breaking the tape first. It's, it's all about you as an individual and your own personal kind of kick-ass and your own personal outcome. So often, often I learn to change kick-ass is about actually driving towards an outcome. That's, that outcome has to be your outcome, not anyone else's. So yeah. it's not about, you know, as I say, it's not about winning races, breaking tapes, winning, winning events, all of this kind of great stuff. It's not about showing up in social media with big long posts with profound things that you've maybe found that somewhere else and adapted for yourself. It's about your own personal outcome and actually you've been able to walk away from whatever the situation is where you've went through awareness, thinking, then action to get to that kick-ass outcome. And you can walk away saying, I have, I am satisfied that I achieved what I could today or I did what I should today based on what I had available to me. And I'm using the phrase today, but you can actually base that over a longer period, right? It can be your train, it could be your interval session you're doing this morning, yeah. or it could be the race you've got in 16 weeks. Um, and, and if I was to, if I was to, um, if, if I was to describe it in a kind of sentence, I would say kick-ass is about you finding the self-determination to get as close to your potential in that, time window that within your working is possible without putting yourself at risk and without worrying about the thoughts and feelings of others yeah maybe yeah. feelings maybe not so much feelings you don't want to harm people's feelings but you're not worried about impressing others it's all yeah. about yourself um, and yeah. that's what it is for me do, do you have a view do you have any build on that yeah yeah i totally agree with with everything there like it, it's so important i think for me it, it's about mindset at that point 
Um, I think I briefly talked about uh, one race that was really tough for me uh, in one of the episodes. Uh, things things went wrong, fairly badly wrong early on, but I made some decisions short term with a longer term view, which is no different from what I've done in other races. But in that particular race, my attitude was different, my mindset was different. Um, and after that was quite evident after I'd taken some action. So I had the, like you were talking about, I had the capacity to stay in <clears throat> my own race and, and I made my own goal at that point. I wasn't too attached to what I'd wanted to achieve before I started. And that's a mistake I've definitely made in other races. And actually in the same race with similar outcomes, I've had one great experience and one really terrible experience where I never enjoyed, you know, long periods of time. We're talking, I don't know. So if Paul, Paul's Wi-Fi just dropped for a second there, so Paul, why <laughs> don't you just recap on the story you were telling? Yeah, I think James had asked me about uh, what the Kickass part means to me. I obviously uh, mentioned um, probably the same race, uh, two similar scenarios where things were going wrong. Um, and I wasn't going to have the result that I'd set out to achieve. But one where I'd taken some action in both, obviously, to try and survive and try and see if my race is going to pick up. But my mindset was totally different in the second one. So I was able to be in it for me. And I know that sounds a bit kind of woolly, but um, I was, I reset my goals. I, I wasn't trying to cling to, well, I should be finishing in the top 10 or whatever, or the top 20. I actually was able to reassess things. And then actually when you give yourself that bit of space in order to to have those actions actually take effect, when you give yourself that space then anything can happen and your race can turn around. But I wasn't I wasn't hung up on that. You know, I wasn't looking for to be back in the top ten within the next thirty minutes or anything. So um I think that's quite an important one for me. It's it's about mindset and being able to do it for yourself and not do it based on what I'd expected to happen and you're not doing it for other people and I should be up there and I should be winning races and, and whatever it was so uh, the mindset is definitely a key one for me yeah and and it's funny it's funny as well Paul right because I, I, if, if you don't mind I'm I, I just you've sparked a, a thought about me about a corporate story that I think is worth sharing about how this applies beyond running right because we talk about kick-ass a lot about kind of your outcome but actually one of the reasons we flipped between the C and the K was a bit about control because ultimately, you know, fundamentally, kick-ass is about controlling the variables that you've thought about, that you've became aware of, you've thought about, and you've decided to act upon to try and then control the outcome. So, for example, and you've just talked about, um, you know, it's not about the top 10, it's not about performance for someone else, whether it's your sponsors, your family, your friends. But often, we, we start with that kind of outcome thought at, at the start of a race. It's almost weighs heavy on our mind. You know, even in a hundred mile race, it might last 20 hours. We're thinking about an hour in and I'm not in the top three. This is a disaster mm -hmm. or I'm five minutes behind plan. It doesn't matter whether you're a, you're a top of the yep. field person or yep. a back of the field person. So if, if you'll indulge me for a couple of minutes, I'll tell you how I was thinking about how this can apply in a life setting as well. And in, in a corporate setting, I, I, about a year ago, two year, a year and a half ago, I was charged with pulling together a, a massive strategy for a big organisation. And this strategy was going to fundamentally change how we do a very key thing across 36,000 people. It was really big. And the whole concept of the strategy was to fundamentally shift a lot of fixed mindset and thinking. 
um, and change the way we um, we develop and lead and and and, and um, train trainer people. And I was to present that to the most senior person in the hierarchy within which I worked, basically someone who was like second command and second in command within this organisation um, at that level. And going into it, what I found around me was a lot of people were really worried about that presentation, about going out there. And what they were worried about was we wouldn't tell that person what they wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. You know, so the outcome was as you just got to survive the meeting. You've got to get through that without being judged or without them disagreeing with you. And I, I and I, I spent a lot of time kind of thinking about this, and I thought to myself, well, I'm here to tell them what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. And if what they need to hear is different from what they want, then that has to be what I go in with. So that was me starting to think about that. That was me building awareness. And 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 the second thing I thought was is, well, I'm I'm in here because they need people to think differently because we've got this kind of fixed mindset problem. We've got this challenge where it's like, this is how we do it. So this is, you know, tell us, give, give us a presentation on how we can do it the same, but different. Um, so I decided to completely change the dynamic of that whole approach through that awareness and, th- and a bit of thinking. So that I kind of thought about the environment I was going into, thought about what I wanted to achieve. And what I did was instead of getting in and saying, here's how everything's great and how you've been doing a great job leading all of this, I went in and said, look, what I'm bringing to you today, I'm going to be really vulnerable about. It's not all the answers. But what it is, is that there's a lot of questions we need to start thinking about here. So, you know, moving into that thinking and um, mode. And I am totally open to being challenged on anything here because if you don't come to me and say, I don't agree, if you don't come to me and don't agree partially with what I'm talking about and don't disagree passionately with a lot of it, it's a waste of time me being here because we're not building on on the thinking. So in effect, I almost put in the kind of attack mindset into the whole thing, whereas like, I wanted people to be aware of what I was coming in with. I wanted them to think hard about it, but not just to think the way they've always thought, but to disrupt their thinking based on the awareness I brought. And then I wanted to agree a different way forward and to agree to collaborate differently so we can get to a collective outcome that was different. But I didn't know at the time that that I was approaching it a bit like we, we've talked about because the outcome I wanted to get to was not the same old, same old. You know, I didn't want to, with all this thinking, get to the same outcome. And eventually, I turned everyone's mindset. And you know the thing that made the difference more than anything was I made myself vulnerable to being wrong. I was like, I, I, you know what, I can rest assured a lot of what I'm about to tell you here will be different in six months' time. But I need you to help me it- iterate the thinking and the, the growth. And when you think about attack, as we talk about it, at its heart, it's about vulnerability, a willingness to adapt, and a, the opportunity to grow. Yeah. Does that make it sense? It does, mate. It does. I think adaptability is kind of key. When I was thinking back at, through uh, the last few podcasts and preparing for this, um, I think adaptability is something we've talked about quite a lot on the podcast. And it's ultimately at the core of this attack principle isn't it um, is, is your ability to make some decisions take on information make some decisions take action on the back of it and hopefully change your mindset to put yourself in a better space uh, th- there was maybe one thing we never really talked about explicitly and that's this idea of maybe determining the desired outcome right which i think probably comes from a business book it's probably something you've um, recognised from your work life and, and coaching high performance from a business perspective but I think it's probably important to re-emphasise right so so once you know what's 
going on, you've got a problem, you've got a good understanding of the situation and you're clear on what a good result would be from this situation and quite often it's not a good situation, something's gone wrong. Um, you've also thought through any potential risks for any of the options that you've given yourself. In fairly dire circumstances, actually the risk of doing nothing is probably worse than making a decision that you might then go on to later regret. Um, so I think you've almost got less to lose and it's quite easy for us when you're in a race because I don't think there's always a clear path of, of what you're supposed to do next you know something's gone wrong I've got a pain in my foot or my stomach's bad I'm not quite sure what you're going to do wrong but actually I think what most people end up doing is just ignoring the issue for a long time and thinking it's going to naturally just it's going to be okay it's going to be okay I'm going to stick with my plan I'm going to stay on this pace plan and I'm going to just muscle my way through and I think it's quite important that you're we remind ourselves to take that step back and actually remember how important it is to take some action on the back of it. And the action sometimes, I know it doesn't make sense, but the action might be to, I'm not going to do anything in the next five minutes. I'm going to continue what I'm doing and I'm going to see if there's any change in the situation. And then like when you've taken that first step, I think you have to be reminded that you have to be able to and willing to define that strategy going forward because we've all had like really deep lows in racing that you think I'm going to be lucky if I can walk this in and finish this race to then 45 minutes later that pain you had in your stomach is kind of lifted and you're passing people again so I, I think I think you need to it's not a one-off strategy is what I'm saying you don't just make a decision you think right that's it I've made this decision I'm going to go for it and and take this action I'm going to kick ass and have a great result you have to continually be reassessing I think and going back through that same cycle is, is what I was trying to get to so and when you do that for example your strategy might be I don't know I'm going to run for two minutes I'm going to walk for two minutes but then you actually realize oh the last few that I did I actually ran for five minutes and only walked for one and I think that's quite important because it gives you momentum and it gives you a chance to reassess and actually turn things around. And, and maybe you don't have to write off that initial goal that you had to finish in 20 hours or whatever it was because you've given it a chance and you've given yourself a chance to, to reassess and refine. Uh, and maybe that's something that... that businesses do well or you might tell me different the businesses don't you know they commit to a plan and that's it and they you know they follow it like straight down the line until because because I've had it committed on paper and they've got a whole team behind it working on it that maybe they get stuck in that but I think as an ultra runner somebody who's racing you have to be willing to change your plan and take on that information and reassess as you're going uh, 100% um, good businesses are always adapting right and there's loads of twee kind of language if you if you jump onto the the um the website of uh, banality and um, posturing that's linked in you see lots of that you know things like here we'll run this little agile methodology and we'll squads and we'll sprint and all mm -hmm. that stuff but fundamentally the willingness to adapt which is basically the willingness to be wrong but also the willingness to try something else i think you're doing constantly as you've just described so you might have a, a, a sore stomach like you've just described and you go, actually, instead of trying to run through this, I'm just going to go, I feel like I can run to, walk to, that'll mentally help me um, and I'll go from there. But that shouldn't then be a strategy for the whole race. As you say, it's like all of a sudden I can move to 3-1 now and, mm. and, and actually now I'm just running. I'm running till, um, till fatigue, whatever it might be. Um, and, and I think 
when you were talking that through there, Paul, I think there's maybe something for us to follow up on in, in a further podcast and maybe do some looking into, but there can sometimes be a fine line between a race plan, yeah, like a really detailed race plan. I'll have a banana at sixty-two mm-hmm. minutes. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll do a, a I'll do a job at um, a hundred <laughs> minutes. You know, whatever it might be, to having a race intention um, and a framework. It's that whole thing between a rigid plan and, and and a flexible framework. And I think if you're if you're someone who can go, look, what I'm going to do is I'm going to be quite loose, but I'm going to still be prescriptive. So I might say I'll have a drink every hour, but I'm okay if that's on 50 minutes and I'm okay if it's on 70 minutes. I won't stress about that versus someone who's like at 61 minutes of not the drink, they start to stress. Mm -hmm. And I I think that might be something you need to work through. So if you've got really, I think it's that difference between fixed and growth mindset. But if you're fixed, you have your plan and then you start to deviate, that causes you stress. I would question whether or not having a detailed plan's good for you later in races. Yeah, I mean, people... Because I think you'll, you'll fail to adapt. Yeah, uh, they're very hard to stick to plans, detailed plans, in, in like a 50-mile or 100-mile race, aren't they, really? We've all done them, and I think it's a useful exercise to get yourself prepared for the race and to think through what the challenges are going to be, particularly in the second half of the race. But, yeah, the, the plans are good until you get punched in the face or whatever. That was a Tyson quote or something, wasn't it? <laughs> like you can have all the... All it was. The, Everybody's got a plan until they get punched <laughs> in the face. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then the plan goes out the window. Um, do you think Do you think there's any, any caveats that we should be talking about uh, around this attack principle? I, I think we've covered most, but, but the one that maybe stands out a wee bit for me is is this idea of, of injury then. So you're West Highland Way. Some people could argue then that, oh, well, James, you should have been working through that problem and reassessed and thought to yourself, oh, I'll just get to the end and I'll have a good time on the way and I'll just walk it in, <laughs> even though it would have been a very long way to walk it in. I wouldn't want people to think that I'm suggesting that you, you just keep on going and you always finish a race, because I, I, I don't believe that for a minute. I think you've got to make sensible decisions at times and... and that was the right decision for you and it was a good decision to make and it'll be the good decision for lots of other people. But in a different individual in a different set of circumstances might think, well, this is absolutely right for me to try and walk this in and spend an hour at the next aid station if I'm still within the, the cut-off time or whatever and try and get myself sorted and get back out there. So that that's one caveat from my side of things. I, I don't think this should be used to, I'm absolutely going to get to the end of every race. What about you? Uh, if that had been if that had been my first West Island way and maybe the only one I ever intended mm. doing, I'd maybe I kept mm. going. Um, but in the situation I was in, it was like bigger picture. I've been here. I've done it. Um, I'm not here to risk my long term health, um, and the, the the risk and reward just wasn't the right trade off. So that's that's situational. So I think that's a caveat. Is is actually your application can be situational. Um, and it also the second thing, because of the way we've talked about it, it applies in um, positive situations as well. So your awareness might be, for example, we've talked a lot about how we've overcome, but actually it could be how you overperform as well. So your awareness uh, example might be is you're at the front of the field unexpectedly. You can see people around you struggling. You start to think positively about taking the opportunity you decide to take a risk and push harder and you then get an even more positive outcome than you started the race with attending. So 
whilst we haven't focused in on that as a, a as a way to think about attack often it applies not just to when it might be overcoming it can also apply to when to overachieve or over or or um or basically you know get a better outcome than even you thought at the start of the event whether that's a big pb or a place in a race or even just finishing as, as the case might be for some people yeah um, but yeah, I, I think the caveat, Paul, that you talk about there is 100% right. It's situational and it's personal. Yeah, yeah. That, that's kind of sparked a thought, James. Maybe we could do something around the, the really uh, making decisions when you are feeling strong about how you're going to execute a race. Could be an interesting one because it's not necessarily dealing with a problem, but there is a bit of a craft to that about when, when you decide you're going to put the foot down and, and try and create a gap or how you're going to chase somebody down. Uh, which is maybe something we could talk about uh, at some other point. Definitely, the way I the way I talk about, although the West Island way didn't go well for me, my my race plan going into that race was quite simple. It was a pace plan to bridge of Orky. You know, be within striking distance, manage your effort, conserve some energy, and then a race plan from bridge of Orky in, which was basically like, it didn't matter how fast I was running. All that mattered was was I either gaining ground or um, um, creating a gap. That was all that mattered. So I would react to what was going on around me and I would use that as motivation as opposed to a spreadsheet. Yeah. So um, I, I think we could definitely apply that. And you can apply that to a 5K through to a 50 miler, you know, the same thinking can yeah, apply. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so forgetting all the background and your coaching work, as an athlete, James, is there something that you can be doing better? We maybe touched on this at the start of the conversation, but it's a good reminder for people about, well, what, what, are you going to take notice of and, and try and be a bit sharper on um, when you're next racing or, or even in your training? In, in my training, I am going to, I think for me, I'm going to maximise every training run, which I haven't been doing a lot. Like I, I train well, I do well, I check my numbers and stuff. But I think one thing for me is, is I'm, I'm going to maximise every training run and not just the sessions. Um, which might be then I try and make more of the easy runs. So the likes, the likes of some this morning, I ran fifteen k this morning at, and I'll use minutes per mile at nearly two minutes per mile slower than I ran thirty three k yesterday, and I had to do that intentionally. I had to make the effort to truly make that a recovery run, because um, sometimes I might be like, oh, I've got a podcast to record, or I need to get back. I'll take five more minutes in bed, and I'll just run quicker on my run things like that and I want to maximise that because I think sometimes I can bunch my training up into the middle and end up with not enough of the easy stuff in there and the reason the reason I did that intentionally this morning was kind of what I said at the start of the, 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 the conversation when you're training for a marathon you need to respect both the effort you've done but also giving yourself the space to be able to make those efforts on a consistent basis so and I'm not sure I would be doing this if I wasn't trying to be more aware yeah, I, that's one thing for me. Yeah, I I think that situational awareness is really important. There's a good message for for people who are training out there. Um, I I see it a lot. You get a particular type of athlete, James. You probably fall into that category. You're quite close to the numbers. You're quite close to how you're pacing sessions and stuff like that. And I I wonder sometimes if you're not smashing a number at some point in those sessions, you're maybe stepping away feeling slightly disappointed maybe sometimes and actually actually, mm -hmm. you should be able to have the situational awareness to go I've actually had a really heavy week I've been travelling to Utah whatever I've come back 
carrying some jet lag it's okay for my numbers not to be quite as sharp on that tempo run that Paul put in the day after I travelled back and I think that's quite an important message for people it's not always about smashing the numbers in workout sessions in particular and it's okay to have that awareness that there's other things going on in your life sometimes and you just don't have the same energy but you're doing the best that you can at that moment uh, and that's okay and I'm not giving people a cop out either you know you've got to make the effort but I, I don't have any concerns that that's what you're ever doing but um, it's, a, it's a good message to leave for people I think No you're 100% right yeah. Okay, 100% right I need to work hard sometimes not to just make binary comparisons last time I did this this time should be better you know when in reality last time might have been perfect circumstances this time might have been mm-hmm. imperfect circumstances mm-hmm. so you've already got a natural gap like travel like time of year like training load like life load yeah, yeah 100% right so I, I want to be more aware of that but I want to use that to help me stay motivated and um, focused on the, the long game, which is to get ready for Toronto in October. Cool. Nice one. Okay, mate. I think we can probably wrap up the episode there. I'm not sure how long we've been recording now because we had that uh, unintentional break. But James and I talked about how we can help further with this whole approach that we've covered over the past few weeks. And I think we agreed a few things that might help you to get more out of this. Um, The first is we're going to invite an athlete onto the podcast to talk about what attack could mean for them where they've naturally gone through some similar steps and where they've maybe missed something and ended up having a really or a relatively poor race experience. Um, you'll notice the language I've used and probably throughout the whole series it is intentional. It's not solely about performance against the rest of the field or against your own potential, but it's about what you can achieve based on the actual life situation of the race for you. Um, things like bad luck and bad stomachs and navigation errors and low energy and trips and falls and knee twists don't always have to mean the end of your race or indeed a horrible race experience you kind of have that ability to decide it for yourself Uh, the second thing is we're going to share a handy reminder sheet um, if I can get that finished that you can maybe keep on your phone you can print it for your pre-race notebook if you take notes before a race or just to have it as a handy reminder of anything you've taken from these podcasts we'll put that up onto the website probably and we'll share it in the Team Pylon Facebook group if you want to join us there James, have you got anything you'd like to add to this conversation? I'm sorry it was a bit haphazard with the uh, with the Wi-Fi cutting out. We adapted well, Paul. It's okay. It was situational <laughs> yeah. and we adapted. Yeah. Um, not, it's not, not for me, I think, for anyone listening, um, thank you for listening because even just talking this stuff out is helping me and I hope it helps you. Um, um, and as you say, Paul, those additional things will help provide Hopefully, it'll help deepen that learning as well. And we're always, always open to hearing feedback about either how it's applied or how it's applied and what, and how it's applied and maybe not what, and how you've maybe built on, on the thinking. Because ultimately, the greatest thing about knowledge isn't using knowledge, it isn't sharing knowledge, it's collaborating on knowledge and building on it. And that's what we hope to do with some of this stuff. So always open to hearing from anyone who's who's got some builds and got some ideas that can help us do even better with this stuff. Nice, nice way to round it off, James. I like it. You've been listening to the Pylon Ultrapod. I'm Paul Giblin. And I'm James Stewart. And we'll speak to you soon. Cheers. Bye. Catch you later. Bye-bye. If you've had anything useful from these episodes, 
please leave us a review on the podcast. We haven't had a single review in over a year, even the last, this is the last time too. Uh, unfortunately, reviews and support and shares on social media is really the only way we can tell if there's any value in us taking the time to do these. If you want to get more involved with us and you're not already coached, then please do get involved. We have a team pile on the Facebook group, which anyone can join, and we're putting out some regular advice and inspiring content on our Instagram and Twitter at Pylon Ultra. If you want to know more about our coaching or training programs, you can look us up at pylonultra.com. We have a brilliant coaching team and we have a few spaces to fill with most of our coaches. Uh, you could work directly with me or one of the other members of the team. Uh, we have different programs to suit any requirement from your first ultra to running a sub three marathon. Uh, if you're thinking about moving to multi-day adventures or a way to improve your running as part of uh, a triathlon training, uh, then we have lots of options available. We have options to suit most budgets and no budget at all. Uh, so please check out the website. Have a great day. I'll speak to you soon. Cheers. Thank you.